This week, Amy Simon is back, and we are finishing our discussion of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. sci-fi i am your host jesse mercury back in episode 58 amy stopped by and we talked through everything i had seen thus far on buffy the vampire slayer which was halfway through season six since i finished the show she and i have been dying to sit down and talk the rest of the way through it because a hell of a lot happens in the last season and a half so we finally did it and you're gonna hear it today it is very spoiler heavy just warning you up front I've got a couple special treats to share this week. First of all, I have almost finished work on a new song called Time Machine, and I've got a work in progress to play you at the end of the episode. And second, if you're one of my Patreon supporters and you subscribe to the Premium Sci-Fi Project podcast, this week Amy and I are going to talk about Rogue One, talking all the way through the movie. I had a lot more to say after the Rogue One episode that I did on this show, and I still have more to say even after talking to Amy, but I got closer this time to feeling like I talked through it. Because there's a lot to say about Rogue One. It's very exciting. But you can find that at patreon.com slash sci-fi project. It seemed like the perfect timing to do another episode about Buffy because tomorrow, March 10th, is the 20th anniversary of the show. And I hope you are celebrating appropriately. Amy and I had a blast talking about Buffy. Our opinions on what uh, what was intended by the creators or what actually even happened on the show were, were pretty different for, a, for several things in the last couple of seasons. So I'd love for you to get involved on Twitter if you want to chat with us and share your thoughts as well. Of course, you can find me at Sci-Fi Project and Amy is at Posy Girl because she loves the posies. Let us know what you think. I'm really curious. But I, I suppose before you can find out if you agree or disagree, you have to hear the conversation. So let's do that first, uh, right now. dropped a huge spoiler did you it, yeah that last time we talked because i mentioned that uh the other jesse jesse reed and i jesse we had a buffy trivia night that we hosted at uh, mopop uh-huh. and uh, a couple years ago and jesse dressed as buffy via little red riding hood halloween costume and i dressed as dead tara and the second that i said i dressed as dead tara i was like oh no oh, i didn't even Jessie. catch it and so luckily i think yeah you didn't catch it so i, I totally slid didn't by catch it, it. But i like totally started backtracking i'm like uh uh <laughs> <laughs> my my poor memory and, and poor attention skills have served me well thus far yeah um so we, we the last episode that we talked about was double meat palace which yeah. is a great episode 
Yeah. So we love it. I I was really surprised. So just general arc things that have happened in season six so far yes. that we talked about last time was Willow's sort of descent into darkness. Right. The trio being kind of uh, just common comic relief. Because I thought what they're doing with the season was like, well, the darkness is coming from within our group and the external darkness is going to be kind of fun and funny. Sure. But then eventually it's just everything's dark. Right. Because the... Uh... Because Willow needs a trigger, right? Yeah. But so, yeah, Warren is a sociopath. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the worst. Yeah. And like, and I talked to you about this a little bit about, about this before, about how you get a glimpse of that. Right. With his, with the robot he created, right? Yeah, totally. The sex robot uh, who he like just puts in a closet because he's found, he's met somebody else, Katrina, who he likes better. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So actually right after the Double Meat Palace episode is the episode where, um, the trio decides that they're going to try to make Katrina oh, that's right. their sex slave. Oh my God. And I was, I was texting you cause I'm like, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> and it's all Warren's idea. Of yeah. course. Cause it's not, it's not going to be Jonathan Ugh. or Andrew's idea. So uncomfortable. Just lackeys, you know, it was and, the very next episode where I was like, wow, I was right. super wrong about this. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Because this is where you start to see that Warren, there's much more to Warren than you're expecting. Yeah. You know? And so he, you know, they get this idea to use magic to make Katrina their sex slave for all of them. You know, it's like the yeah. ultimate teenage fantasy. And uh, even though they're like college age, but whatever. They're still, they're still they're young. They're still immature. youngsters. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, things go awry and yeah. they kill her. Yeah. Uh, it was crazy. It's crazy. I was like flabbergasted. <laughs> I was flabbergasted then, by the whole ep- the whole premise yeah. up until that point. It's like you're seriously doing this? Like the like the the creepy feeling of just complete lack of consent was really upsetting me oh, yeah, and then yeah. she gets killed. She gets killed. But it's like then you sort of you see like Jonathan and Andrew are like what is going on? Yeah, you know? they and immediately back they up. They immediately back up and they're immediately like this is too much. Yeah. We can't. Like what are we doing with this guy? Then you start to sort sort of see the arc of Warren and his like true personality coming out, right? Right. He's un he's kind of unconcerned that he killed this girl that he supposedly was in love with, right? You know, totally. <laughs> his he gets only this motivation little taste is of like power, and he mm-hmm. just keeps going after just it and wants going. more and more. Yeah. The trio is so interesting. Their their motivations are so interesting because at that point, uh, you know, Jonathan and Andrew do see that Warren is not necessarily a good guy to be around, right? But Andrew's like kind of in love with Warren and can't yeah. leave his side. Whereas Jonathan, I mean, actively tries to get away. He starts to yeah. try to pull himself away. But Andrew, who we come to love by the end of the show, I mean, because he's such a lovable <laughs> yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah. He becomes but, a lovable guy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But like, just like looking at the, sh- the character arcs as a whole, like the the malleability of of character that mm-hmm. this show has is astonishing to me because like you look at different points in the show and characters are so different from other points in the show, mm-hmm. but it never feels like they break or snap or become someone they shouldn't have been like in heroes where everyone just changes sides randomly every season and it doesn't really matter who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like the fact that Warren's funny nature at first was masking this like sadistic sociopath inside. And then that kind of comes to the forefront later. It's just so well-written and so uh, like creepy and upsetting. What the hell did you do? We did this. Me and Andrew and you. It's on all of us. Shut up! This is the brilliance of this season, though, I feel like. Because then you're, like, convinced that Warren's going to be the big bad. 
Yeah. Like you're at that point. Totally. You are like, okay, well, clearly these other two guys, they're just like lackeys. Right. They're followers. But Warren is going to be the one who like is the big threat. Yeah. You know, and then so Warren gets a gun. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> he gets a gun, and then and this is another thing that I think they did so brilliantly is like you're like, oh well, crap. Like nobody's ever thought of this before. Nobody's ever thought of like shooting a Slayer before. Apparently, like yeah. this is a new thing. And so you know he goes and he confronts Buffy and he shoots Buffy. Then you find out as they pan back huh. into the room with Willow and Tara, the newly reunited Willow and Tara. That he shot Tara and yeah. she died. And yeah. that was like watching that in real time is like devastating. Yeah. It's devastating. Yeah. And that's like a, a Whedon thing. <laughs> you just like ruthlessly kill characters, uh, beloved characters. And not that, you know, arguably, I think I've talked about this before. A lot of people don't like Tara. A lot of people. It blows my mind. I don't understand don't like why. It. I love but Tara. at that point, at least like, you know. Willow and Tara had become a symbol of something that you hadn't really seen on right. TV before. Right. And, um, and so for, for them to have just reconciled, like literally just reconciled. Right. Like it was like the morning after their first night back t- together, wholly as a couple. Yeah. Um, and then for her to die and that'd be the thing that triggers Willow. Yeah. And then Willow becomes the yeah. biggest of and the big Willow bads the big, of season six. And then the big, six. big, big bad. <laughs> yeah. And Willow had kind of been pulling back from the darkness because Tara had come back into her yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. And it was really cool to see that, I mean, Willow sort of letting the magic go was the thing that was allowing Tara near her again. Right. And Tara really did love her and left her because she loved her. And because this person was doing things that were unsafe and unhealthy and she needed to stop and there was no getting through to willow at that point but losing tara is what kind of got through to willow and then she starts to get tara back and then loses her again and loses it yeah just goes full-on like dark willow hear me keeper of darkness how dare you invoke osiris in this task please Please bring her back. You may not violate the laws of natural passing. How? How is this natural? It is a human death by human means. You raised one kill by mystical forces. This is not the same. She is taken by natural order. It is done. No, there has to be a way. It is done. No! And you, like, if you think about it, you can really trace all of this back to her resurrecting Buffy. Yeah. You know? Interesting. Because her resurrecting Buffy was the thing that made her connect directly with that dark magic. Right. And that's why that's her go-to. As soon as Tara, as soon as she realizes Tara is dead, she calls that same entity back. That same right, entity that's right. who helped her raise. He's Buffy. like, I can't help you this time because right. this person died a natural death. And then, and then she just freaks out and absorbs that thing. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. They're like, they're like, oh no, she might be in trouble. Oh no, she just ate that guy, basically. Yeah. And there's uh, a visual representation of uh-huh. her becoming a, a, an evil witch yeah. at that point. She goes all veiny. Yeah. As she likes to say, all veiny and, yeah. and black haired and gothy. Which I liked because it kind of kept it in the campy world of Buffy while, while being really serious. I mean, this is kind of the most... 
I mean, besides maybe Joyce's death, this is the most real situation that we've had so far as far as like feeling like, you know, it's not like the, these mythical creatures that we're fighting. Yeah. It's real. Your best friend lost the person they're in love with and has and has gone evil because of it. Like it feels very real and visceral. It is. And it's and there's like that long moment where nobody knows, like nobody knows that Tara is gone except Willow. Yeah. You know, because she doesn't tell she doesn't call the police. She doesn't do no. anything. She just walks She's out of the room. Straight up ready I'm gonna to kill people. I'm gonna rip a bitch's skin off. <laughs> who did this? Yeah. Whoever it is, I'm gonna do it. I'm yeah. gonna find it. And so like it's it's really interesting. You know, Xander is attending to Buffy that they go directly to the hospital. Everybody's worried Buffy's gonna die. Yeah. You know, and they're all there and Willow's just on her own. And then Willow just like breezes into the operating room right you know and sandra's like she's gonna die and willow's just like no she's not and just like uh -huh. heals her and you're like whoa wait a minute what's yeah. happening and you know and then once buffy says you know it's warren then willow is like off yeah and it's it's it all happens so quick and nobody can process anything you know right. like Xander's like wait why Willow looks very different. Like, what's going on here? Yeah. Did <laughs> um, she show up to the hospital looking like Dark Willow? I can't remember. She does. She's not all veiny yet, but she's got, like, the dark the hair, dark hair and the dark right. clothes. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, so Xander's kind of the first one to notice, like, something is not right here. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, she hunts down and flays Warren. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and, it's and that's shocking, nuts. right? It's nuts. It's shocking. It's and, so like, gross. Like, you want it to happen, but you don't want it to happen. It's a you really know? wild moment. Yeah, I yeah. know what you mean. Like, you see it, and she's like, wow, he deserved that. And then a second later, you're like, oh, my God, she ripped all of Willow his skin off? That. I'm going to throw up. I don't know if he deserved that. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's uh, really crazy. I know you're in pain, but... I'm bored now. Oh, my God. What did you do? Willow, what did you do? Run down. Ballsy, ballsy TV. I mean... Really ballsy TV. Yeah. All of season six was really pushing the envelope of what the show could be. And mm -hmm. I understand, like, I mean, I've been told, I, I've had friends that have been watching Buffy for years and a lot of people have told me different things. And I've heard several times from several people that they don't really like season six or, or that season six is just like really hard to get through. And uh, I think I interpreted that as that it's hard to get through as in it's like not as well written. It's hard to get through because it's emotionally devastating because it it's so well written. It is really well written. And I think like it's, you know, I don't know. There's something really ground. It feels like there's something really groundbreaking to yeah. me to have. The, like we've talked about the Scoobies kind of falling apart, but also have this sort of like the most innocent character kind of arc into the most evil character. Totally. You know? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think like every from scene red, which is the episode where Warren shoots everybody. Yeah. All the way through to grave the finale it's like all those dark willow episodes i don't know they, they make you really think like can we get her back 
Yeah. You know, and like, and then in the finale, like literally the only person who can get her back is Xander. Yeah. And there's something like so sweet and amazing about that. The only other person who's been there since episode one. Yeah. And it's like, just like a, you know, he's the only one that can make her feel this human connection. Like Giles breezes in with his white magic. Uh, That moment. When yeah. Giles comes back, I scream. I like hooted yeah. and hollered. Yeah, I, Giles. Because you know how much I love Giles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When he walked through the door in his long trench coat wielding mag- magic, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. Yep, you know, I mean, this he, is good. <laughs> he comes in with all his white magic and it sort of works. And then, but then. But his plan was for her to absorb it all. It right. seems like his backup plan, maybe. And so, the, that's so the most badass Giles back. moment of the whole show for me. Like when he walks in at, at, uh, into and, the magic box. Yeah. Oh my God, I love and it, it works for a time and then it doesn't yeah. work. And then Giles tries again with this whole, like, making her feel everything. Yeah. And that actually just sends her more over the deep end to the point where she's like, there's so much pain. I'm just going to kill the whole world. I'm just going to blow up the whole world. Yeah. Um, But yeah, there's something so sweet about Xander being the one to bring her off that brink and save the world. He loved her so hard. Yeah. He he loved her to to defeat. And it was, or to victory, if you want to look at it through a better lens. Uh, I thought that was so great. I mean, Xander having his moment was, was his moment that he keeps Buffy's bringing up like in season trapped. seven. She's like trapped, yeah. uh, fighting off people like underground, yeah, like yeah. protecting Dawn. Mm-hmm. Buffy can't be there. It's all up to Xander, and all like he does the thing that he does best, which is care, right? And it's so good because I'd been wondering not only. Uh, I didn't know if she was going to be on the show anymore. I thought Willow might be killed off at yeah, the end of season yeah. six, but I was also thinking like the other option is that. They fix her somehow, but if that happens, like it's got to feel earned, or I'm going to be pissed. Right, and it felt and it so did. earned. Yeah, yeah. But I do love that. Like in the first episode of season seven, Sanders just basically like, did I mention I saved the world? Yeah. <laughs> did, I, did I tell you the story about the crowns? We're like, <laughs> oh my <laughs> to the god, point yeah, where yeah, like yeah. all the other Scoobies They're are like, like yes. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got it. Yeah, we got it. I love that saving the world is like. <laughs> It's the only group of friends where that's kind of mundane. <laughs> yeah, where he yeah. finally has something to brag about. Yeah. And he can't really explain it to anyone who would care. <laughs> I know you're in pain. I can't imagine the pain you're in. And I know you're about to do something apocalyptically evil and stupid. And hey, I still want to hang. You're Willow. Don't call me that. The first day of kindergarten, you cried because you broke the yellow crayon. And you're too afraid to tell anyone. You've come pretty far, ending the world, not a terrific notion. But the thing is, yeah, I love you. I love crayon breaky willow and I love scary veiny willow. So if I'm going out, it's here. If you want to kill the world, well then start with me. Let's, yeah, let's go back skip to the back wedding. a little bit to Anya and Xander getting married. Yeah. and That episode frustrated the hell out of me. It was hard, uh, but I also really love that in the end. So, like, in the episode, you know, it's all about their wedding. And there's been all these stresses, which I completely understand. Having been married yeah. and divorced before, let oh. me tell you, weddings are fucking awful. Yeah. Weddings are the worst thing in the world. <laughs> I mean, I know that it's it, that's not necessarily true. I'm not saying that this is a blanket statement. But what I'm saying is... I don't know a single person who has gotten married and who has been planning a wedding that hasn't um, had this obstacle of what do we do with our families? And not only that, but like, where do you seat people and how do you seat right. them? And 
And then there's all these like that. Everybody has a fucking opinion about it. (laughs) Everybody in your family has an opinion about what your wedding should be like, where it's going to be, what needs to happen, who needs to be there, who they have to invite. Like it's it's a fucking nightmare. And if I ever get married again, I'm just either eloping or I'm just going down to the courthouse because I will not have another wedding. (laughs) But so it's like watching this happen and, and watching Xander you you can see it actually the whole time that Anya is planning the wedding. Mm-hmm. You can see Xander crumpling, yeah, bit by bit and yeah. becoming more and more unsure of this yeah. thing that he's about to do. Right, and it's not because he doesn't love her. It's just because he's it's not like ready. there's so many other things that go into it. He was never ready. He right. He said yes because he felt like that was what he was supposed to do. Well, and she kind of ultimated him. You know, like she, she was did basically kind of pressure like, him into it a little bit. We got to move forward. I I like. As wrong as it was for him to leave her at the altar, mm-hmm. it was the right thing to do. Like yeah. that episode frustrates me, but I also I really liked it. I mean, I'm frustrated me in, well, in like a good way. And like they're they, you know they they tried to sort of throw you off the what was really happening right. by introducing the older character who right the the older Xander uh, quote unquote with visions be, of the future yeah, yeah. who appeared to be trying to ruin it, but really that wasn't what it was really it was right. xander all along yeah knowing he wasn't ready and then the the kicker of it is that really all he would have had to do is tell anya i can't do this right now and it probably would have been fine but instead he waited till it's too late he's a fucking coward and he just doesn't show up you know yeah i i, th- I think if he was going to tell her that he wasn't ready it would have had to have been before the wedding day yeah, for it to have been for okay sure. you know for sure for him to like continue to be with her which yeah. he wanted to do right uh but i mean their relationship like fundamentally breaks it at breaks. this point and they never and quite fix it like they well even in season seven they, yeah, they get yeah. close and they do like end up sleeping together again but they they never really fix this relationship and yeah. i actually appreciated that i'm like yeah i mean that rings true to me that if if a fundamental break occurs like this, to not be able to fix it feels real, even though it's sad. Well, because that happened, but then also she immediately slept with Spike, remember? And then she becomes so, a vengeance demon again. Right, and, yeah. yeah. So she sleeps with Spike and everybody sees it because of the Oh, that was cameras, so great. Magic I love box that. cameras. Yeah. And, and and that episode is actually great too, right? Because it's like not only is it the moment that Xander realizes how much he actually still cares for her. But like that it is like, oh, it's over for him because right. he can't forgive that. Right. It's also the moment that you see something in Buffy and the way she <laughs> thinks jealousy. about Spike. Yeah. yeah because totally. it's like, well, why would you be jealous if you don't really have a connection to this yeah. person, this vampire, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, that's yeah. It's a great episode. Yeah. I love, I love the episode where Anya and Spike sleep together. I, lo- I love the fact that, uh, Xander's sort of latent uh, feelings of being unworthy of mm-hmm. the, the group yeah. are brought to light by that because he was in love with Buffy and he finds out that Buffy and Spike were sleeping together. Yeah. So all of a sudden he finds out that Spike has taken away these two women from him. Like yeah. Spike breezes in and effortlessly can have whoever he wants. Right. Uh, and he's a, ho- he's a horrible And he's a horrible person. He's literally person. a demon. Yeah. He's he literally is a demon. demon. Yeah. And like Xander's the greatest guy, but uh, but can't kind of get it together enough to to go after the things that he wants in a way that is mature. Yeah. Uh, and then ends up losing them because of that. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, because I identify with Xander so much, Mm -hmm. especially in the later seasons when he becomes a little bit more mature. That's when I recognize that, wow, I used to be like as immature as Xander and I have grown. And like, I'm seeing that in this character and recognizing it in myself and uh, seeing him get get in over his head in a relationship because he feels like, he's supposed to, or he's pressured to. I've done that. Right. You know? uh, like making a crazy gesture to break off a relationship because he freaks out. I've done that too, you know? Uh, so yeah. 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 Poor guy. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> he's not real. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of real. So uh, we have to talk yeah. about, uh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, we have to talk about Spike in this season. Okay. So Spike in season six so we had not talked about, about season six. Yeah, we had not talked about Spike attempting to rape Buffy. That's in season seven. That's that's definitely in season six Are you because sure? I he I wrote it goes down. to get his soul back and then comes back in the oh, beginning right. of season seven with a soul. You're right. Yeah. I, I made notes, but apparently I made them wrong. <laughs> wrong. Yeah, so he uh, I mean, like last time again, like I listened to myself right around the time I saw this episode. And I listen to myself talking about how I feel like Spike is really a good guy deep down and he would choose Buffy. Right. Um, and then the show makes it very clear that that's not true, that we've been kind of led to believe that. But he is still a demon. You know, he is still a bad guy. And he tries to rape the main character. And it is yes. awful. It is and, awful. I mean, Buffy, like, can't fight him off. And she's stronger than him. But she's in this, like, weak position. Uh, and he's like got her pinned down and you feel it as the audience member. You just feel like he's trapped you all of a sudden. Uh, and like the terror of someone trusted turning on you is so palpable. Uh, and then he hates himself for it so much that he just leaves to, to go try to find his soul. Um, well, I did he, not expect that. He, I did not see this coming. Okay. So yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. So that, that was like incredibly hard that was seen as like incredibly hard for me to watch yeah. the scene where he is you know spike is so convinced that buffy loves him but doesn't want to admit it that he sort of essentially breaks into her house <laughs> and like c- comes upon her when she's hurt she's been like very badly hurt from i don't even remember what demons yeah, or something <laughs> she's like seriously hurt and she's getting into the bath to try to like chill out and like heal he comes upon her she's in her bathrobe he closes the door and he this is why this part is so hard for me to watch because this is sort of the essence of like toxic masculinity and like stalkerism and all of these very scary very real things for women it's that this idea in spike's mind that um buffy's in love with him she can't admit it she doesn't know herself he loves her and so obviously she must want him and so he tries to force her to have sex in his mind thinking like well we've like done he's, it like before. he's doing her a favor like i'm yeah. entitled to this yeah we've done it before i'm entitled to it she loves me she just doesn't know her own mind and it's uh, so and uh, it's so heartbreaking yeah because it's also like She's trying to shove him off. She's too weak to do it. Yeah. And then she finally, finally manages to kick him off. And it's so hard because she's saying no the whole time and he's still like pressing it. And this is like by far the episode that makes it makes my makes my liking spike so problematic. Right. Because it's fucking awful. I know. And, And even though you can tell yourself like, well, he's still a demon. It's still 
it doesn't excuse anything. Right. And then to make things even worse, that's when Xander comes in right at that moment when she's pushing him away. Yeah. And so in Xander's eyes, when you know, because Buffy won't tell him what just happened. It's like yet another sort of betrayal for him, right? Like Spike's already slept with his woman. He's already pissed off that Buffy and Spike had anything going on. And then he walks in on this and he doesn't really know what to make of it. Right. And so it's just like so disheartening on so many levels. And you can see like in that final moment when she finally has to kick him away from her, that Spike does have a realization. He does. Right. In his, you can see it change in his face. Like, oh "Oh my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah. You know, but if, if like Xander hadn't been trying to walk in, if she didn't have that strength, you know, he would have raped her. And that's so awful. It's so awful. Yeah. Um, You're right. It's so hard to justify that with the character that you've started come to love. Yeah. But again, it comes down to like really good writing. It does. The fact that this like this is seated in his character yes. the whole time. Yeah. Like we know this about him. Yeah. And then uh, he's presented we as this sort of obsessive. unlikely hero mm-hmm. that we're going to learn to love over time. And he's kind of overcoming his demon nature. But, uh, but he's been this the whole time. Right. And we've just forgotten. And we even, we know he's been this the whole time from his real life. Also from his life, pre vampire life, he was obsessive and stalkery. With, totally with Halfrick, I'm just gonna say it's with Halfrick, yeah. But you what, know, what like, was the, what was her name back before it was Halfrick? Uh, Chloe, no, not Chloe. I can't remember. But when he was, yeah, William. The we know Cohen. it. We know yeah. he was obsessive and stalkery, and he was with that that way with Drew. Also, he was super possessive totally. of Drew. You know? Absolutely. And but it, you know, it's so hard to watch. And then so, but if you remember, he goes. He doesn't go away to find his soul. He goes away pissed off he goes away pissed off at himself that he cares so much for buffy and so he goes to that to do those challenges so buffy will get what she deserves if you remember yeah yeah so he's go he's thinking he's not thinking he's gonna get a soul he's thinking he's gonna get his demon strength all back the chip's gonna be taken care of you know everything he's gonna go back to being Hmm. I thought, that was a, I thought that was a red herring. I no. thought that they were trying to make you think that that's what he was doing. No, but no, that's what he was doing. I'm totally convinced that's what he was you doing. You think so? Like the whole he time was I was watching that. He was going to find a way to break his obsession with her and kill her, basically. Interesting. I, I took that as him like being so mad at himself that he wanted to be the man that Buffy deserved. No, I don't believe so. Because there's a line in season seven where he actually says something along those lines. Like he uses the the words... Some some words about like be what you deserve or something like that, which yeah, yeah. he had used in anger in season six, yeah. and I I felt like it was just him uh, mad at himself in season six. No, 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 no. I, I definitely don't think he knew he was going to get his soul back. I think he went. I, I, I don't know. I, I felt like the the trials were to get his soul. I mean, I think that he knew that. I no. think he even says later that 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 that's what it was for. No, the trials were to get her what she deserves, which in his mind was to kill her. And so I that know. I think that's the whole know. Trixie thing. I'm, I'm telling not convinced. you, I'm totally convinced. We well, can do some more research on this. Okay. And we can rewatch it. Yeah. But I am absolutely 100% convinced that he didn't know that's what was going to happen. Interesting. Also, because there's thing like he never wanted to be like Angel. He never wanted to be the vampire with the soul. He never yeah. wanted to be that. He hated that. That is not what he wanted. And so I think like at the end, that demon just tricked him. That demon was like, oh, what she deserves, this is what she deserves. 
<laughs> you know? I feel like when he got his soul back, he would have admitted to that. I think he would have told Buffy that because he was so disgusted with himself. I don't think so. I, but it, it, I don't know. The first part of season seven, though, he spends like a yeah. lot of it like I'll, it's crazy. Probably, I don't, I mean, they probably don't say explicitly. It's probably going to just be open to interpretation. And I, right. I think I, we should rewatch. Yeah. I think we I'd should be, rewatch this episode. I'd be into it. I also, I mean, we should, check it out. if you've seen it, you know, tweet at us. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us what you think. Yeah. Uh, did he know? Did he know he was getting his soul back or did he not know? I think he knew. I don't think he knew. <laughs> uh, but in any case, uh, also, I mean, I guess because I think that that's, you know, when he gets it back um, in the in season seven, yeah. you know, we see him. He's like in the basement of the school and he's kind of crazy. Yeah, right? he's like too close to the hell mouth and he's kind of lost. Too close to the hell mouth. But I also think like a lot of that is if you remember, like when you get your soul back as a vampire, all of the kills right. come back to you. And right. so. That is something that would drive you crazy. Like it drove Angel crazy. And then he right. just like lived in the alley and ate rats, and ate rats forever, yeah, totally. you know? So I think Spike's version of that makes sense. Yeah. And at first they present it as that. And mm-hmm. then the, eventually they kind of tell you that he's too close to the hell mouth and he's got he's these things first. in his head, yeah. which I think was kind of a way to cure him faster by saying it was like, oh, this was a magical thing that can be removed and now he's better, yeah, which maybe. I was a little frustrated by because I, I wanted him to go crazy because he got his soul back. You <laughs> yeah, know, like yeah. I wanted that continuity between him and Angel to, mm-hmm. to be there. And they definitely made it seem easier for Spike to get over it than it was for Angel. I mean, Angel like wanders the streets for like decades. Uh, whereas, which also kind of makes sense. Yeah, it totally fits with their in characters their two too. characters. Yeah. And they fight Although, it out. I mean, they fight it out on Angel and you like, is, they talk about oh, yeah, yeah. this, you know, like Spike uses this as ammunition against against Angel. He's like, you were so weak when they're having that fight. But It is interesting to think about the differences. This is like, we could have a whole nother podcast just based on Angel and Spike, right? Totally. But yeah. like how Angel in, in as a person was like a selfish bastard, womanizing bastard. A drunk, you know, who just like wasted his father's money and got drunk yeah. and slept with tavern wenches. Right. And and by contrast, Spike was like this meek little like tortured artist, tortured soul. Yeah. yeah. It's really fun to think about. Actually. Yeah. Let's, we'll have to think about that. Like maybe dissecting all the vampires on Buffy and Angel. Oh, that would be so fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into that. So, but uh, so moving in, uh, do you feel like we've covered season six? I think we're good with season six. Okay. Yeah. So moving to season seven. So season seven. As a start, can I just say like as a whole, mm-hmm. I felt like season seven was lacking. I did not. Uh, I felt like uh, there was, it was never like bad, you right. know, which was great. There was never anything I just didn't like, but I felt like there was a lot of times when it was kind of spinning its own wheels and not really going anywhere. Uh, and then something great would happen, but it, there was a lot of like weird sort of development time in between. Mm -hmm. I was a little frustrated by going back to high school, like reopening Sunningdale (laughs) and having Don be in high school. It's like, well, we've done this before. I don't need to go full circle with the show. I want to see something new and different because every season had been so different up until that point to retread ground felt a little strange to me. Well, I did think it was kind of interesting to revisit the Hellmouth. Yeah, totally. To revisit the idea that just because it was blown up and sealed that one time didn't mean for sure that it wouldn't and be that right. I have that I loved I was really right. into that. and there's a lot that I love about this season uh, so I oh sorry go ahead oh no no I was gonna say like I was gonna go through some of my favorite episodes in okay. season season yeah. seven but I, I I will say uh just as far as like I just want to get the things I didn't like out of the way because that they're it's a short list mm-hmm the whole idea towards the end of the season that everyone kind of turns against Buffy felt so forced 
It just did I didn't not feel that way at all. Really? It didn't feel yeah. to me like it was earned at all. Uh, I didn't feel that way at all. Uh, it's like, I could see why the, the potentials would maybe be a little upset with her, but her friends, like I never bought it. Yeah. I never bought it. No, it totally makes sense to me. Really? Because everybody's lost in this season. Interesting. Everybody well, is lost. We should talk through it and get to that point. Yeah. And you can yeah. convince me. But I will say that the finale was brilliant oh my God, and wonderful. So good. And it really kind of overrode any issues that I had with the whole season. I, w- yeah. I loved, I loved so the way this show wrapped up mm-hmm. uh, in, in a really, really, really profound way. So it made me go back and think through the rest of the season and realize how much I actually did like it. Yeah. I think I think Robin Wood is a great addition to the show. I love his character. <laughs> I, feel, I feel opposite about really? that. You don't yeah. like Robin? I don't. So, so, yeah. So one of the things I do like about this season a lot, though, is they kind of mixed in some of those sillier episodes with the dark stuff. Yeah. So it wasn't just like a relentless, super dark season. And I think they felt like, I think they probably did that because like they realized that season six, the end of season six was so dark that they kind of had to like inject a little bit more humor and kind of yeah. go back to that base, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer core, yeah. right? Yeah. So like you have that episode like him where like the athlete has the magic jacket. Right. And like everybody's falling for him. And you have the episode with Andrew where he starts out the storyteller, you know, where he's I love in the that. chair. And yeah, that was great. Like his masterpiece Buffy, theater thing. The Slayer of the Vampires. Yeah. Yeah. Vampire. Uh, the Vampire. Yeah. <laughs> I um, loved Andrew. Yeah. In this season. So like. They used him very well. You have that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I, one of the things I didn't particularly like was principal would because it feels a little weird to me to throw in a new character in this last season i liked it it stuck out as weird to me and i i don't know if i really loved the whole backstory of spike killing his mom and stuff like that i don't know i i liked bringing in the slayer lineage to it i I liked because the whole season is going to be tying up the fact that the slayer lineage is actually going away yeah yeah you know from now on all women who are potentials are slayers. Yeah, yeah. Which is so fucking badass. <laughs> but kind of taking a deeper look into the lives of the individual slayers and how one of them ended and the yeah. what was left behind. I actually thought that that added a lot. And then Spike having to uh, recognize like his, the actions that he had done. And he kind of like, he doesn't, doesn't really apologize for killing Robin Wood's mom. He kind of like owns his past self yeah in a way that i found interesting because he's so different this season with his soul yeah um that's something i also didn't didn't like at first at first i was like i'm not wild about spike changing this much Mm -hmm. but i really like what they did with it and i actually grew to really like him on angel even though i didn't like that at first either yeah yeah so now i'm like fine with it i i just feel like maybe principal wood wasn't as a very finely developed character interesting i don't know he was just this muscly dude who had a grudge i don't know which yeah. which totally makes sense with him and faith because it's you know yeah. it's a compatible relationship i found him to be uh i think maybe he was a little bit too i don't know pushy pushy interesting <laughs> yeah, I, I i i could agree with that but yeah. I, the fact that he's beaten and very badly in the fight with spike yeah kind of cows him a little bit and eh, he's uh yeah maybe i i think that he doesn't have too much pride, you know, like he's willing to 
let things go for the greater good and, and recognize that he's been beaten and kind of mm. move past it mm-hmm. and be, be a member of the team, productive member of the team. And I really appreciated that. Like when you see someone who's like yeah. big and strong uh, accepting defeat, I think that's important. And you don't see that much. Yeah, I guess I can agree with that. Yeah. I just think maybe that there's not a lot about his character that I liked. Interesting. <laughs> I, I love like he and Buffy going on this like awkward date yeah. and how he was kind of interested in her. And he was a mystery for most of the season and just kind of charming. And you don't quite trust that because usually when people are charming on this show, mm-hmm. they turn into giant snakes and try to eat you. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I found him interesting. I really liked the actor. Uh, the actor's Woodside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I feel like uh, just given more time, that character would have fleshed out more. Um, True. But, but he didn't get to your point, time. to your yeah. point, Faith was like, five times more fleshed out halfway through season three, the <laughs> yeah, first season true. than Principal Wood ever was. Yeah, yeah. So the show is capable of more. So that's it, isn't it? Brought me here to kill me? No, I don't want to kill you, Spike. I want to kill the monster who took my mother away from me. I heard a young maid singing in the valley below. Oh, don't you see? How could you use maiden I want to talk about uh, Same Time, Same Place, which is the episode where Willow comes back from her time in england then that's the one where she's like uh, kind of invisible she's invisible and there's that that creepy awful goblin gross that like eats your disgusting skin disgusting flesh peeling monster called the gnarl that was the grossest <laughs> it is so gross but i love it uh, so much uh, i love it so much on so many levels like i love this idea that the, it wasn't the gnarl that was making her invisible it was willow herself because right. she was so nervous about right seeing her friends again yeah. after they know what she's done. And and then sort of the flip side of that was like all of the Scoobies worrying about Willow. Like, oh, what is, is she like running around killing people again? Like right. what's Which happening? Which Willow are we getting back? Um, But yeah, the gnarl. Oh, the gnarl. It's like, it's like the most fairy tale character. But yeah. like also just like, it's such a, I have such a visceral like response to it. Totally. I think that was the grossest moment of the whole series. It was so gross. Uh, the gnar like peeling skin <laughs> oh, off of and Willow's she's, and she could stomach. feel it. She's like paralyzed, but uh, she, that's like awful. My, it's like your worst nightmare, right? It it's was like awful. a worst nightmare. Awful. That you're like paralyzed, can't move, can't Horrible. speak, nobody can see you. Terrifying. And this gross thing is peeling strips peeling of your strips skin of your, off. and eating them <laughs> and like, eating them. And, and like, like making licking his fingers noises. and oh, it was so gross. Oh, gnarl. That was terrifying. Yeah. Um, that reminds me, they present in the beginning of the season the idea that there is like good and bad magic, kind of like the light side and the dark side of the force. A little bit. Which they'd yeah. never really talked about before. So like Willow doesn't have to give up magic entirely. Well, she can it, kind of use this like Gaia, Mother Earth It's all connected, uh, right? Magic. Is what they say. Yeah. It's all connected. And you can just sort of lean one way or the other. I don't know if they specifically say light and dark magic, but they imply that heavily in the yeah in the last episode for sure. It is like the color of the magic is light and dark <laughs> yes. when they use it. Yeah, but the I, I mean, all through season six, it's kind of just said, well, magic is evil and you can't use it. 
And this is the first yeah. time that they've really said there is good magic that you can learn how to tap into. And she goes to learn from this witch's coven in, right, right, in right. England where she can learn the good magic, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool and interesting. Uh, I just wish that someone had mentioned that sooner when Willow <laughs> well, was going bad. Have, you know, they probably it, didn't know. They just didn't yeah, know. Yeah, totally. Know. I mean, Giles knew, but he was gone. Yeah. I Well, I think maybe he didn't know. I think it did. Really? I, I just think like the writers maybe didn't know how to yeah. solve for that problem and so maybe when they got to this season they realized they would need something they would need to bring willow back and they would need something for her to do they probably had to figure out like what they could do right oh there's light magic now but she does you know we can talk about this when we get to the finale but she does kind of talk about how it's all connected though and how she could go bad right you know totally but um but yeah, yeah it'd be like someone who's a recovered Sith using the force for good. <laughs> yeah. The, using that force, there's always going to be like the tug of the dark side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I don't think it's like super separated. Totally. I, the older I get, the more I think of the light and the dark side of the force as two sides of one thing instead mm-hmm. of two separate powers, right, right, which is right, what yeah. I used to think of them as as a kid. Like a circle, but like. Right. Yeah. And you're on like two sides of the circle instead of like a figure eight. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, I also really enjoyed the episode Help, which is the one with that girl, Cassie, who knows oh, yeah, that the, she's going to die. Yeah. Um, and then she like, comes back in conversations with dead people, yeah. which is one of my picks, which I'm sure is on your list also. Yeah. I just thought like she, one, that actress is like a really compelling actress. Yeah. And, and she did such a good job of portraying this girl who just knew her future and was trying to like tell people that and nobody right. believed her, you know, right. till the, and even up to the very end with, you know, Buffy trying to save her. And it's another one of those instances where, as it turns out, like you can fight all the evil you want, but sometimes people are just going to die, you yeah. know, and she just dies. Yeah. And, but, and I also really like these sort of um, premonitions about the rest of the season where like she said to Spike, like, she'll tell you one day. You know, she says that to Spike right. and referencing the I love you. But I love you. But and then she also says to Buffy, like, I see you in a dark place. Yeah. Underground, you know, like, so it's it's pretty interesting. I don't know. I just really liked it that they're all working together to try to solve this problem, but they can't. Right. It's just a thing that happens. It's just real life. Yeah. And it's that sort of uh, I mean, when we talked about Rogue One, we talked about like obfuscating your your expectations. Mm-hmm. And this show uh does that so much that you start to expect them to just do something that feels right, you know, to end a story in a way that feels right. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those stories that does where uh, there's really no way to save this girl. That's going to feel right for the story. So she dies. Right. Which is really, but you can't really see it coming because you still expect your heroes to save the day. Uh, Well, they say, and they, they do, she does save her from the sacrifice part. Right. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And the girl knew that. Cassie knew that. Yeah. Like she knew that. She's like on a ride where she knows. She knows when the end. What the end is going to be. Yeah. And no one else does. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, and then I want to talk about Selfless, which is the episode with Anya and the sorority house. Is that the one where you get Anya's backstory? Yeah. Yeah. I so, love. Oh, this was the first one that I just one, loved of this season. Drew Goddard written, wrote this. Written by Drew Goddard. Yeah. yeah. And Wasn't this so, his first episode that he wrote? I think so. But yeah, it's it's so good. So it's good. So good. Yeah. And and even like from this from the very beginning where you see Anya on the floor of that sorority house covered in blood. Yeah. In kind of like in a fetal position, just being like, What did I do? What did I do? You know, that yeah. This you're getting that first glimpse of her 
new vengeance steam in life, right? You're getting that first idea that, you know, maybe she shouldn't have gone back to that. Like maybe that she's she's changed she's too been much too to do human, this. Yeah, and she has too much remorse. And I, I don't know. I just loved it because you get, you know, her whole backstory with <laughs> Olaf. Yeah, <laughs> she's, you know, uh, when she's odd. <laughs> I love yeah. that her name is Odd, by the way. Yeah, like O-U-D. Uh, yeah, I love that. It's like this sort of whimsical thing that you get to see and her friendship with Halfrek, you know, and how yeah. that grew. But then also uh, you've got that confrontation with her and Buffy. That is so intense. Where Buffy knows she has to kill her. Yeah. And Xander knows it too, and he can't do anything about it. That that was one of know? the most intense moments of the series right and then and then buffy stabs her and you're like oh and then, shit, you, cut she's to, then dead. you cut to commercial and she's like pinned to the wall and she's i'm like oh my god and then you had that that great amazing callback to once more with feeling oh yeah while the when song. she's dead yeah. she's singing uh i'm his missus yeah with xander and she's singing about marrying him Ugh. and it's so great because it's like especially when you're watching that for, for the first time you're like oh my god so she's she's dead and she's like envisioning this fantasy life like what's happening and then all of a sudden you know she like wakes up she's like yeah. <gasps> and wakes up and you're like oh my god she's not dead awesome <laughs> wait what <laughs> yeah it's so crazy that you're like rooting for everyone yeah but they're trying to kill each other so how can that be they're trying to kill each other but then you know then it's like you know anya is just like it's clear she's like done and she's like okay I'm, i need to take this back yeah and and then it's like another devastating Whedon moment, which is like, you're like, oh, my God, what's he going to do? Is he going to kill Anya? You know, and you've got Dahafrin there and you're like waiting for it. And then instead, Dahafrin kills Halfrek. Yeah. And you're like, what? No. Even though I, I actually saw that coming. <laughs> it's like this minor character. You still like are so upset about it. And you can see yeah. that Anya is very upset about it. And everybody leaves that ep- the that episode just ruined right everybody's ruined right you know <laughs> like, yeah i i felt like it still doesn't make sense for dehoffrin to kill halfrick instead sure. of anya always that, go for the pain that's the only my only sticking point in that episode was like i felt like that was just a way out for the writers to keep no. anya alive but but i love this episode it makes sense though he says yeah. he says always go for the pain but then he loses it's, his good vengeance demon and his bad vengeance demon because Anya's not going to work for him But he caused her more pain. Yeah. So, when she was already in pain. So, if he yeah. killed her, then she would just be off the hook. That's true. Yeah. Maybe I just can't understand life from de Hoffren's perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I understand it too much. I love de Hoffren as a character. <laughs> yeah, he's great. so funny. He's so good. Another one of those characters that you really like, even though he's just like pure evil. Yeah. Yeah. But he's uh, great. When you see demons talking about like mundane things, like day to day stuff, because they, they've been alive for so long, but they do have to exist in modern society right, right. also. They have to like understand TV and cell phones and DVR and stuff. So yeah. when they talk about that kind of stuff, which they do a lot on Angel also, it's always so funny. It is really funny. I've boned a troll, I've wreaked some wrath, but on the whole, I've had no path. I like to bowl, I'm good with math, but who am I? Now I reply that I'm the missus, I will be his missus, Mrs. Anya, Christina, Emanuela, Jenkins, Harris. 
I also liked uh, Potential, which is the one where Don thinks she is the potential. Yeah. But it turns out to be Amanda. Right. Um, but I, I like it specifically because of that very end scene where Don is like disappointed that she's not the potential, but she gives it to, you know, she recognizes Amanda and then Xander and her have that sweet little moment right. at the table where Xander's giving her like the pep talk, you know, like, don't worry. You've, you've, you're still an important part of this group, even if you don't have superpowers. Yeah. It's kind of sweet. And then Don says something like your superpower, your superpower Xander is seeing everything around you and seeing the good in everyone. And I'm like, oh, it's just like a, a heartwarming yeah, like, to moment. see Xander get credit for that because it's really important. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you don't quite understand how important it is early in the show, like in the yeah. first couple seasons. But he really becomes like the emotional glue that holds everyone together. Yeah. Uh, not by doing anything other than just being there and caring, mm-hmm. which is which is really cool. Like, why do you keep someone around who has no discernible skills? Because he's because he's loyal and you like him and that that's enough, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. because he's got heart. That's great. I really liked uh, conversations with dead people, particularly Buffy's conversation with the vampire, uh, who was played by that guy who ends up playing a character in the next, in the other two Joss Whedon shows. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that he, guy. He plays Knox in Angel. I uh, see his face. Angel. I don't know his name, I don't but know I his see name his either. face. And then he plays that guy in the episode, The Message of Firefly, mm-hmm. uh, second to last episode. Yes, yeah. And he's like, he always plays the same like despicable type of he person. Does. Like he's Knox great. seems different yeah, for yeah. a while, but uh, but this character in particular, uh, I I felt like he was so well suited for this vampire in this episode of Buffy. Yeah, uh, I don't remember the vampire's name, but he just kind of like verbally spars with Buffy for the whole episode before she kills him, mm-hmm. kind of questioning Buffy and questioning her motives and questioning the darkness inside of her. And, yeah. uh, and like, why is she drawn to vampires? Yeah, and, it's so great. Yeah, it, His psychologist. Yeah, yeah, totally. He was kind of like a, uh, a proxy for the audience to kind of talk these things through with their, with right. their hero. Yeah. Which I really liked. Uh, and then of course, dealing with like the ghosts of Joyce and Tara yeah. was really interesting. Do you know the behind the scenes of this? Did they try to get Amber Benson or did they always know that they were going to use the girl who played Cassie to speak for Tara? No, no, it wasn't Tara. I take it back. No, no it wasn't. She was trying to fool you that she it was, was Tara. The first but was she trying was, to fool her. Yeah, it was the first. That's right. Uh, um, I, I which think I, I, I kind of liked that. Like, I think the explanation too was that there's some reason that the first can't use Tara. And hmm. I can't remember where I read that, but there's... There's something that presents prevents the first from using Terra in that way. I just don't remember what it is. Yeah, it definitely yeah. Uh, it definitely worked for me. I felt like I was a little surprised that Amber Benson never came back mm-hmm. uh, because she's such a part of the show, and this show brings back dead people all the time. We've seen Joy several times since yeah. she's died, so I was surprised she never came back, and it seemed like the perfect opportunity to do it. But I felt like the emotional. Uh, like need for Willow to yeah. see Tara and not be able to was more powerful. So I liked how they did it. And then of course it wasn't ever Tara to begin with, which I just remembered because yeah, I forgot yeah. about that, uh, which I don't know, made the story turn in a really cool way. Also, I guess you could look at it like maybe the first knew that Willow would know Tara so well hmm. that the first could like fuck it up and it would be easier you know, to be, yeah. be someone else. Yeah. Do you think that that was really Joyce or do you think that was the first no, pretending no. to be Joyce? I think it was always the first pretending yeah. to be Joyce. Yeah. That's the one where like watching that episode, it's hard to tell. I don't, yeah. I don't think that there's, 
Um, they've addressed ghosts in Buffy, of course, but I think that, I don't know. I can't think of a time when they've actually used like a ghost. They've never done it, right? Where they've used like a ghost. Well, like when, of a when somebody's person. Like when somebody's uh, when somebody dies, their spirit is their soul is gone, right? And can't be brought back, right? The show gets really close to curing death, which is so annoying, but it never crosses that line, right? Because right. Uh, they bring Buffy back twice, but they manage to do it both times in ways that are different and work and don't break the rules of the universe. Uh, and like Buffy yeah. having died in this mystical way at the end of season five is the only reason she can be brought back because it wasn't a natural death. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, all that all that works well, for me. And also, like I think that Buffy is like an exception. In that, um, you know, even though there are other slayers, uh, it's she is like the one that is meant to defeat this particular arc, right? Yeah. This particular Hellmouth problem, Buffy Summers is the slayer who is going to solve that problem. Yeah. She's Prophecy Girl. And not yeah. just Prophecy Girl from the first season, but like for everything in Sunnydale, she yeah. is the Prophecy Girl. And for, and for a lot of ways, she is the end of the Slayer line. Yeah. I mean, even though Slayers continue, but they continue in a better way because right. of her. Like, she she lets go of the individual power to to let the group have power. Right. Because, uh, which is really cool. I mean, it's a really powerful, like, statement on on power because she has so much power. Yeah. I mean, she's she's the one. It's actually really great if you think about it because Buffy is sort of... This at least it, it particularly starts out as this character who's sort of vain and <laughs> and very uh, Miles wants to join our podcast. Do you want Miles is uh, Jesse's dog, by the way, and he's adorable. Uh, he's like all over me. All he's of a like sudden. Buffy. I want to talk about Buffy. He's like I want to sit on the couch too. <laughs> uh, so like she's you know she's she's a valley girl. Like she is. Yeah, especially at the beginning, she's yeah. she's a cheerleader. She's into into shopping and and sort of like the more that she realizes her power, the more she changes. But she's there's still always that undercurrent of her thinking and feeling like she doesn't know what she's doing, right? And feeling like she doesn't have smarts, you know, like she didn't finish college because she felt like um, she wasn't smart enough to finish college. Right. You know? And so I think like, it's, it's really interesting to think about that. Think about the way she perceives herself, but actually realize that she's the smartest one of this whole thing because she puts it all together. Yeah. And that's particularly illustrated. That's what we can talk about this business with Buffy losing control. Right. Is losing uh, control of the group. Like the group turns against the group, her. Right. And it's because she leads them into battle against Caleb and, right. and loses in a in a big bad in way. In a very big, big way. And that you know, that starts with the Dirty Girls episode where Nathan Fillion shows up as oh, Caleb. He's incredible and in this. He's great. And it's like it's so thrilling to see him play a bad guy. He's disgusting. He's, he's disgusting the worst bad guy. Because he's like a so religious much. freak, right? Yeah. Uh and and yeah, and so in Dirty Girls, you know, then uh, also written by Drew Goddard, by the way. Uh, you know, Faith shows up. Buffy's like upended by that a little bit. Yeah. You know, what What the hell is Faith doing here? I mean, it's her frenemy. You know, it's right. this woman has taken over her body, tried to steal her boyfriend. <laughs> like, yeah. like mean, been she had sex downright with, evil. She had sex with Riley had and sex Buffy's with body. Riley. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, there's like so many things that Faith has done. And of course, when she shows up, Buffy's not going to be 
happy about it. Right. Um, oh, oh, and also there's this additional element of like Angel bringing Faith back from the brink, right? Right. You know, so it's like there's another betrayal. Right. This is like the woman that she can't escape. <laughs> but like Faith shows up. Um, it throws her off her game. She makes a rash decision to take the girls in to fight Caleb and the bringers. And it it goes fucking horribly. Right. You know, and at the end, Sander gets his eye ripped out. Yeah. And it's awful. It is very gross. It's so awful. Yeah. And like you can see that, you know, when she's in the hospital with Sander, she doesn't, she can't handle this information. You know? Yeah. Willow's trying to talk to Xander and Buffy can't do any. She's just standing in the doorway. She can't even like come in the room because she feels so guilty about it. She feels so guilty about it. And that's why it makes sense to me. It's mm. like, it's not, it's not necessarily that her friends lose faith in her for a better word. It's that she loses it. Yeah. She loses her and way. And they can feel that she doesn't she have faith in herself. It. And yeah. when she doubts it, if she doubts it and she's making speeches, then none of those girls are going to believe it. Yeah. And then you've also got the additional element of the first pretending to be one of the girls. Right. And feeding all this misinformation into the, the ranks. Right. And that sort of gets disseminated out everywhere. Right. So it, I can, I understand what you're saying when you say you, you didn't, you weren't feeling it, but I, I think, I don't know. And maybe it's because I'm a woman. And so mm. it's like, I can see that I can see like, Oh man. Yeah. You know, it's that vulnerability and that doubt. And then it's like, it's over. And then Faith, <laughs> who doesn't want it, she doesn't want it. She doesn't want to be the leader. You know, Faith is just trying to get in there and be like, be, you know. I think actually in my mind, Faith is trying to show Buffy that she still does have it. She just needs to like rein it in. But the other, the outsideness, this is why I hate Principal Wood. Because Wood like is like right in there with a, yeah. Maybe you don't have to be in charge. Maybe Faith can be in charge. You know, and yeah. I, I think that's that's why I, I find it totally believable that Buffy would just give up and be like, fine, you yeah. take it. One, because she's lost and broken, but two, because she just doesn't want to, she can't deal with it and she needs to like go and recollect herself. Yeah, you know? I, I definitely agree with you on all that. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that still sticks out to me is uh, when they're all like talking as a group, Willow and Xander don't really... Stick, and Dawn don't really stick up for her. And sure. that, that I just couldn't believe, you know? Well, I could, I could though. Hmm. Xander, less than I, you know? So Xander's got to be having some thoughts right. about about losing his eye and how Buffy contributed to that. Dawn has always sort of wanted to upend her big sister in a way. And Willow is still unsure and unsteady. On, mm. on her feet, you know, and then you've got the Kennedy element, which uh, also Kennedy is a character that people universally hate. And I don't hate Kennedy. I like Kennedy. I think she's so different from Tyra. And that's it's interesting that, yeah. that Willow would be attracted to her. And she is pretty pushy. But I do. I don't know. I kind of I kind of like it. I kind of like that dynamic. Yeah, it's and, interesting to see Willow go from a relationship where she's the pushy one mm -hmm. to one where she's being pushed around. Yeah. And then. The episode where Willow turns into Warren. Warren, because he kisses Kennedy, yeah. Yeah, and Kennedy like, kind of sticks by yeah. Willow. I like Kennedy just fine. Yeah, she's fine. Yeah. She's, tough. she's she's sort of like another version of Faith, but like hmm. not as cool as Faith, I think I would say. Yeah, I actually, I liked her quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I liked her like as much as I like Principal Wood, which is like, you know, quite a bit, but not not like how much I like 
characters from earlier seasons. Yeah. Like Glory. I still miss Glory. The Glory days of Glory. I loved her so much. Glory's <laughs> so good. But yeah, but like, you know, then, then you know, it's kind of nice. Like, then you have the episode, you know, where um, it's touched, where Faith is in charge. Buffy is just wandering the streets. Right. You know, and trying to, like, collect herself. And Spike is the one. This is sort of where Spike's soul is useful, right? Right. Spike is the one to sort of track her down and tell her everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And he makes that great speech. And then, you know, again, like I said, it's it's all the spike thing is so problematic for so many reasons. Yeah. And it's like all well and good to be like, well, he's a soul now, so you can forgive him. But it's still really hard, you know, because that attempted rape episode was not that far behind this, but he does like, he makes this very impassioned speech, lovely speech to her about how she's worth more than she could ever imagine. And he's behind her and he believes in her and he loves her. And then he goes to leave. And then she sort of shockingly is like, no, why don't you stay? But, and they just, but just hold me, you know? And, you know, it's kind of like a little over the top, but I still like it. I did like that. I like that scene. I like the fact that she needed, like, she just needed to be cuddled. She just needed to be, she just really needed a good cuddle. She just needed somebody to like, have her back she's got the weight of the world on her back she needs like someone else to stand behind her yeah and like and i think it's kind of interesting that spike is the one that realizes that too that spike is the one that is kind of chews everybody else out like yeah hell is wrong with you totally like he does i was feeling like spike i was like come on yeah why didn't anybody stick up for her totally you know and so that that's what i love is that that faith sort of who does not really want to be in charge but is like okay well uh i don't really want to do this but here's an idea let's do this let's break into this Let's break into this place and see what we can find out about the bringers and Caleb. Yeah. And she takes all those girls in there. And it's a trap. And it's a trap. And, it's you know, trap. and she, <laughs> it's like, it's so obvious it's a trap, but Faith is just like, eh, well, eh, what's in this box, you know? And yeah. then it's a bomb and it blows <laughs> up and a bunch of girls die and it's horrible. Uh, and Faith is really super injured. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, on, and then on the flip side, then Buffy is sort of like collecting herself. And then she just is like, she knows she's right about Caleb. Right. And she knows she has to go to the place where the winery, where he's hiding something. And then she finds this and it's so magic great. scythe. Yeah, it's so great that she finds this, she outsmarts him. She runs in, she finds this weapon and this amazingly beautiful weapon, which I've seen a cosplayer with a replica of this thing and just like ood and odd over it like you wouldn't believe like i can't believe you made that thing yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh and then you know and then that's the end of the episode but then they pick up right in the very next episode with her just yanking that thing out of the stone right like a very sword in the stone moment right you know where she just like pulls it out and then it, you've proceeds seen, to chop you've seen caleb, caleb bits. yeah you've yeah. seen caleb like struggle with it you've seen everybody else struggle with trying to pull right, it out right, and right. she just like touches it and it comes out yeah and then it's this great like mystical thing where you're like oh what's this what's what's happening here um sort of tying back into the prophecy girl thing that i was talking about like right. this is her moment right this is she, her thing. she is the one who can wield the power and then what she wants to do with it is going to be her choice. Right. Which is kind of the whole theme of the last episode. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it's like then you have end of days where she's fighting Caleb and Angel shows up. 
Yeah. And, you this know, is part one of the last episode, right? Yeah. So end of days into Chosen. Chosen yeah. is the finale. But yeah. yeah, so it's like great. And, you know, she and fights For some reason in my Caleb. head, they're like one long episode. They are. They are kind of one long episode. But it's yeah. like, it's kind of cool. Like Angel's helping her. But then she's like, no, no, I got, <laughs> like, I got this. I'm on it. Yeah. You go deal with uh, LA. I'll take care of yeah, Sunnydale. Yeah. yeah. And so like she fights Caleb and kills Caleb. And then there's, you know, that moment where she kisses Angel and Spike is watching from the corner and the first is whispering in his ear. And you've got that final like, oh, God, what's going to happen? Is yeah. it going to work? But it doesn't work because Spike has a soul and he doesn't believe he doesn't believe this this yeah. BS anymore. Right. Right. So, <laughs> Which but, is cool. It's like cool to see that like that petty jealousy has sort of. Yeah, I mean, it's still, it's still there, but he, but you he's know. But he's in control of it now. Like, you know, Buffy, I think she says something like, what are you, 12 or something? Oh, she <laughs> says it to Angel, I think, because he finds out about Spike. But, yeah. you know, yeah, it's kind of, and then I think she makes a remark later to Spike about how they can fight it out in a room someday. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's <laughs> both very, like. Um, Which we get to see later. <laughs> yeah, we did get to see it later. Uh but yeah, I don't know. I think it's pretty great, this return of Buffy. And then, you know, she marches back in and makes her plan that we, magical that we don't weapon. get to see. Yeah, yeah which, which I also loved how they did that in Chosen in the last, in the finale episode where she, they just, you see that her at the, you see them at the end of it, at the end of her explaining the plan and having them all agree to it. And mm -hmm. then you kind of get to see it unfold in real time, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I loved it. So here's the part where you make a choice. What if you could have that power now? In every generation, one slayer is born because a bunch of men who died thousands of years ago made up that rule. They were powerful men. This woman is more powerful than all of them combined. So I say we change the rule. I say my power should be our power. Tomorrow, Willow will use the essence of this scythe to change our destiny. From now on, every girl in the world who might be a slayer will be a slayer. Every girl who could have the power will have the power. Can stand up, will stand up. Slayers, every one of us. Make your choice. Are you ready to be strong? The whole last episode was like so emotionally satisfying. Yeah. And there were big deaths. So you still had that sadness. I mean, Anya dying was, oh, Anya. was yeah. really, really, really yeah. sad. Um, who else died? Well, a bunch of the potentials. A bunch of the potentials. And then Spike. That's right, Spike. So yeah, yeah in that. But I, think I, the, I knew the, that Spike was going to be on Angel, so I never really. Did Vi? Did that the he Felicia died. Day. Uh, no, I think she survived. I can't remember which of the I think Felicia Day died. made it um, by, but I think Amanda died. Amanda. Yeah, but as far as uh, main characters that we've known for a while, it's just main Anya. Main characters, right? I think it was Anya. Yeah. yeah. And Principal Wood. He didn't die. Yeah, he did. No, didn't he didn't. He? No. Oh, no, they did that weird cheesy thing. Yeah, uh, he surprised his face and then by, came back. by not dying. I told yeah. you I was going to surprise you. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, but the way that Anya dies is like, is pretty intense. Like she kind of dies protecting Andrew. Oh yeah. Yeah. But that's, um, that, that makes for that great line though. Also where Andrew tells Xander 
and then you know oh. she died protecting me and then Xander that's my says girl. that's my girl always I, doing the stupid thing I love that yeah uh, pretty adorable very well acted yeah also I mean I don't know like Anya could have come back if for Angel or something I think there would have been a way to bring her back because she she had been a vengeance demon and stuff. I could see them bringing her back, but yeah, it was just the end of I, the season. I so. thought I thought Seriously. that Anya was dead in that episode earlier on in the season when she got like got pinned oh, to the yeah, wall by yeah, a sword. Yeah. So you were so already prepared for. It. I already felt like I felt like Anya wasn't going to make it out of the season. Like I didn't yeah. know where Anya was going as a person anymore. Right. Um, which when that when you see that on a Joss Whedon show, it's like they're probably going to die. Uh, but I was still like really hit by it i I, you know you want anya and xander to work it out kind of but only a little bit like i only wanted that just a little bit and i kind of like the fact that they didn't but then seeing like seeing his face when she was killed and realizing that there was no more chances yeah but still kind of respecting her memory and the fact that she died fighting and protecting someone it was it was very touching and a good like in the midst of all of this insanity, I felt like they managed to to also inject a really good send off to that character. Yeah, she was incredible. She died saving my life. That's my girl. Always doing the stupid thing. You know what I also really liked was uh, the fact that. Buffy had Xander kidnapped Dawn and try to take her away. Oh yeah, and it didn't work. Yeah, <laughs> I liked I liked that Dawn was just like, no, no, fuck this business. Like I'm gonna be there. Yeah, and I'm gonna fight with you guys. Totally. Dawn just like overpowers uh, Xander. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. And yeah. then I love that like Buffy just accepted it. That when Dawn was like, "How dare you do that to me? I'm gonna be there." Then Buffy was like, "All right, well, I tried. Like yeah. basically, I tried to keep you out of it, but I see that that's not gonna be possible." Yeah. So. Well, we we have to talk about the very end. Yes. Uh, well, let's talk about Spike first, and then talk about the very end because okay, I really, really, really loved the the moment where Buffy said, "I love you" to Spike, and Spike said, <laughs> "No, you don't. No, you don't." But thanks for <laughs> saying it. Yeah. I felt like that really summed things up between them for very sure. nicely. For uh, sure. The fact that, and then she didn't try to fight it because she. I think she. Re- didn't even know until he told her that it wasn't true. Right. I don't I don't think that she think really right. knew that. And I I had always kind of wondered, does Buffy love Spike? And you never really get the impression that she does. You no. she likes Spike. She likes having sex with I, Spike. I really think she's only ever loved Angel. Yeah, I, I really agree. do. I agree. I don't think she loved Riley. They, they are like the two they are like the star crossed lovers that can never be, and that's the tragedy of it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh but I like I personally like Spike so much better until he tries to <laughs> rape her. Yeah. And like well. Spike becomes so complicated to like at mm-hmm, that point. Mm-hmm. Uh that when Buffy says it, it almost felt like like I'd been betrayed for a second, but then they immediately <laughs> fix it by him saying, No, you don't. No, you don't. Thanks for saying it. Yeah. Uh because he's sacrificing himself in yeah, that moment. And yeah. it was very, very powerful. It was very cool. I really, really, really love that. Uh, and then, of course, like, the biggest thing is that the Slayer line is ended. And as we've said several times at this point, mm-hmm. but Buffy passes on the power to all potential Slayers. Yeah, and that's, and that's, it's, that's such a nice way of, I don't know, I felt like the, the greatest thing about the finale is that everybody plays in a very important part in what yeah, happens totally. right so uh 
you know, you've got Anya and Andrew and was Giles up top? I think like you've got some people up top ready to take down any bringers or any uber vamps yeah. that make it up there. Right. Um, and then you've got all the potentials and you've got Spike, like everybody played a big role. You've got Willow. And you've got Ken- Kennedy's role is basically to kill Willow if she goes dark, which I think is so funny because like, how's she gonna how's she gonna do that? Yeah. Once Willow's dark, it's all over, right? But it's good thinking ahead, I, though. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love the idea that this scythe, that this is like the thing that can channel all of this Slayer energy into all of the potentials, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just love that book into Willow's story, that like. Look, she's learned so much. She's really scared, but look what she did. You know, she yeah. channeled all of that. She used magic in a good way and channeled all of that. It is and changed the world. Kind of corny and kind of hilarious that yes, she her hair turns all white and she has like this bright light around her. Oh, that's happens. right. I forgot about that. Uh, that that representation of the the light that we are talking about, but I don't know. It still works. It still made me happy to yeah. see it. I, I love the idea that there's this show that's based around the premise of the damsel in distress is the one who's in who's powerful. Yeah. Uh, but then in the very end, just saying, you know what? Fuck it. All women are powerful. Yeah. I love that. That's I pretty love great. that it's so great. much. Yeah. yeah. That made me like really, really, really um, happy. And I also love that it wasn't necessarily obvious that they were going to win. Right. Like, even after that happens. Because that happens... Um, Willow falls back, you know, Kennedy takes the scythe, runs it down to Buffy. All of the Slayers are kicking ass and they're killing all these Uber vans, but there are, they pan out and there are like millions of these things, right? like rows upon rows upon rows of these super strong vamps that cannot be killed very easily. And so I love it that it's like that happens, but then there's like a downturn Mm -hmm. where Buffy gets stabbed she falls down. She tells Faith to hold the line. And there's, it looks like they might lose. You right. know, the potential start getting killed. More of the vamps get out and up into the surface. And you're like, for a moment, because it's Joss Whedon, you're like, oh, God, this is going to go very bad. What's happening here? You know, and then it's finally like the first like shows up as Buffy to talk to Buffy. And it's like, oh, you know, it makes like the <laughs> what is what does it say? Like uh Oh, that wound is all itchy, you know, something like that. And then that's the thing, like, sort of like Buffy, like, mocking herself as the first is the thing that makes Buffy go, oh, no, this is not, like, how we're going out. And she stands up and starts fighting again. And then it's then that it's like that amulet kicks in with Spike. Right. And he, like, realizes, like, what can happen, you know, and he tells everybody to get out. So it's pretty it is pretty cool that Spike is the one that ultimately saves everybody. I think, but it's also like, I I love that sort of up and down and that sort of idea that this would be impossible without everybody participating. Yeah, totally. Yeah. To me, it was like everyone, if any one, one of those pieces are gone, Mm -hmm. then Spike can't do shit. Yeah. 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 So it was like a very much a team effort and which was so fitting for a show that's been all about this team supporting this hero because mm-hmm. uh, it's always about teamwork, but in the end it's Buffy's call. Right. Right. Because she's the, she's the chosen one. Yeah. And for her to give that up to, to let everyone else, you know, and to not only give that up, but to rely on everyone else. Right. Was really cool because yeah. she's learned that she can trust those people. So, well, yeah. And then Sunnydale, like 
falls into the earth like it buries the hell mouth the entire town it does and i love i love that they had been like wandering through the empty streets because everyone had left sunnydale at this point for a couple of episodes mm-hmm. and like when buffy and spike spend the night together it's in someone else's random house yeah, yeah. so they'd made it very clear that sunnydale was, it was empty, empty. Yeah. yeah so when they they throw the whole thing into the hell mouth uh you don't have to worry about oh my god they killed like hundreds of thousands of people uh <laughs> yeah but it was such a cool visual and such a great send-off for the show to be standing on the outskirts of this town that we'd been in for seven years and just see the whole thing is gone the hell mouth is gone yeah we're free what are you gonna do now you know that's it. yeah that's what do you want to do with yourself now yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. the end and that's the end. Yeah. No, I thought yeah. it was amazing. I loved it. I loved it. One <laughs> of the better last episodes of any TV show that I've seen. Yeah. I love you. No, you don't. But thanks for saying it. Now that we're done with this, what we might have to do is read the comics. Yeah, I'm so into that. I've been, like, really wanting to read the yeah. season eight. I, I read... Um, like the first, I think maybe ten comics of season. I haven't read the whole thing, but maybe yeah. like half of it. And it was, it went in like a really weird direction that I wasn't expecting. So yeah, I would like to, I would like to do that. We should figure yeah. out how to do that. I've heard the premise of season eight. Yeah. Which which sh- I'm gonna spoil it right now. So spoiler alert. But the premise <laughs> is that uh, it kind of like True Blood, where vampires go mainstream mm-hmm. and they're out in the out in the light of society now. So people, well, not literally in the light because they would blow up, but uh, (laughs) like people know about vampires now. So what's going to happen with society at that point? Yeah. Which sounds really interesting. I I mean, if there's slayers everywhere all over the world now uh, and vampires that are, you know, known, right? does it become a crime to slay a vampire? I'm really interested to find out. Maybe. But we did it. We talked about We Buffy. talked about the whole show. We did we it. We also have to talk show. about Angel. We will some, talk about in, Angel. In the future, yeah. In the future. Awesome. Yeah. Well. We did it. We did it. We made it. All right, my friends. As promised, I've got a work in progress for you of my next sci-fi song called Time Machine. Pretty stoked about this one. Special thank you to... Johnny Unicorn and Naomi Adele Smith they did some backup vocals on this for me I'll I'll tell you more about this song when I finish it because I'm sure I'll play it again but for now uh, I'll just play it for you so you can go in unbiased thanks again to Amy Simon for another fantastic conversation she'll be back to talk about Angel in the future and I can't wait if you enjoyed the show please consider leaving us a positive rating and review on iTunes or supporting us through Patreon or PayPal. You can learn everything you need to know at jessemercury.com. All right, let's check out this new song. Imagine that you are young and immature and just found a time machine, and you're pretty stoked. And obviously, the only solution is to sing about it. So here it is.
machine.